The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. This is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to the Makers of Minnesota, where we talk to cool people doing cool things in the state of Minnesota. Um, I love talking to restaurant folks because I always think they're so creative. And today I have my friend John Whipley with us, and he started his business as Minnesota Spoon. He's also a cookbook author. He wrote a venison cookbook that I've recommended a lot. And then just recently, he has started a food truck called Animales Barbecue that is stationed outside of Abel Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. John, you are a raconteur of all things food, it seems like. Yeah, just trying to get my uh, keep my toes wet a little bit in yeah. the water of everything in the food world here. Were you always in the food business? Always, yeah. Since I was a kid, I I mean, when I, when I was growing up, I liked to cook at home. It was just a hobby. I grew up in the middle of Wisconsin, and... Um, we didn't always have the best food. You know, we weren't always eating the greatest food, but yeah. I always like to just cook stuff at home, like even from macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes, that kind of stuff. Were your mom and dad cooks? Um, A little bit. Not not a ton growing up. They actually are a lot more, they actually cook a lot more now. My dad, uh, he, would, he would shoot some game growing up. Yeah. Um, and he'd bring that home, cook it. Um. I remember eating a lot of uh, pellets of grouse <laughs> when I was a kid, and I never really liked that experience. Um, Picking out the lead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that had some some uh, shaping of, of where I am now. So so you opened Animales about, what, is it six months ago? Uh, it's actually about three months ago, but the whole project had been in the in the thinker for just over a year, I'd say. So we've been working on it and developing it for probably 13, 14 months, and it finally came out in September. Um, and it, you had a catering business, and then you were a cookbook author, and you also had some experience in recipe testing for other corporations. Yeah, absolutely. So I I, uh, I, I started out, you know, I, I was with Bachelor Farmer for a little bit, helped them open their restaurant, great experience, great people, and then wanted to just move on to my own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, opened the Minnesota Spoon on a whim, had no idea where it was going. I just wanted to get out there and see if I could, you know, just see, test the waters a little bit. And uh, it worked out. Um, I was writing for the Growler magazine for a hunting, you know, hunting to eating article. Got picked up by a publishing company. Uh, wrote the first cookbook. Uh, finishing up the second cookbook, hopefully tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, those, those are my night plans. That's hilarious. <laughs> And then, Can you say what the second one's about, or is it a secret? It's not a secret at all. It's all about, um, it's all about fish, but not ocean fish, lake, you know, not lake, lake fish, river fish, anything that's landlocked. Okay. Um, so a lot of walleye, bluegill, crappie. Um, there's some crawdads in there. Are you a good fisherman? I'm a mediocre fisherman. <laughs> when I try, when I try, I can do it, but I just don't have the time that I yeah. wish I did. But we went through that book, and I became a better fisherman. We we had the opportunity to travel a lot in the Midwest, um, 
and we got to see all sorts of different types of fishing, like big water fishing, like like here. Yeah, I've never done that before. I mean, you troll at ninety feet. Oh yeah, down. it's crazy. Our, our, we have a cabin on Burnside Lake, and they get trout out of there, and yeah. they go way down. They have the downriggers and the whole business. Yeah, and that that's a whole thing that I never experienced. I did a bunch of steelhead trout fishing, which I've never experienced. We did some um, uh, whitefish fishing. Just stuff like that that you know I'm I, I grew up doing I think what's typical in the Midwest which is walleyes bluegills crappies yep uh, and now more of a musky fisherman which when you catch you usually don't eat that often but we did catch one for the book and keep it um, which I'm which I'm excited to get those recipes out there because there's not a lot of musky recipes yeah I don't think there's any yeah so. well and that's that's <clears throat> so funny that um, you talk about I. I very early on in the podcast, I talked to these guys that did uh, carp fishing. Yeah, and they would liquefy the carp and use it for um, fertilizer. Yeah, I think you know I I wanted to touch on carp a little bit as well, um, but I just didn't know how to approach it because I don't have any experience in that realm. Yeah, and I didn't want to do something that I just had zero kind of previous knowledge about. Uh, but it seems like carp, you know, especially with the invasion of Asian carp into yeah. the Great Lakes, seems like people are finding out ways to cook these animals and um, make them taste good. Because and a food source. Yeah. yeah there, there's a huge sure. supply of them, and it need, they need to be taken care of. And getting out, get, get, getting out of the river, I yeah, guess, exactly. if I keep talking like that. <laughs> um, no. So, Animales Barbecue, you ideated it and take it to conception in a period of 13 months. Is it like what is it like to decide to open a food truck? Is it just like a massive amount of investment and stress, and like then it's traveling down the road? And I just I have no concept of how it's different than a restaurant. I don't think it is much different. The way we're set up, I don't think it is much different. I think you know I haven't opened a restaurant myself yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope to do that one day, but I haven't. So can't tell you for sure that it might be a little more stressful but the things we we had a stressful time dealing with were all of a sudden you had um you have you have a, a restaurant that you have to operate and you want to ho- operate it at the highest level possible yep. or a trailer but then you have to cook you have to cook primarily all your food in another spot and just the i mean it doesn't sound major but the trans you know moving stuff between spots it just becomes a hassle and Makes it just adds another element in there that you might not ex- expect, and it just makes everything a little bit harder. Um, so you have a commercial kitchen somewhere. Yeah, we call it the test kitchen, um, and that's where we do a lot of our prep and a lot of our. We spend a lot of our time there. We probably spend the majority of our time there, and then we bring all the food over with the trailer um, behind Abel, mm-hmm. and it's just this weird thing. And I think you know, I think anytime you're opening up a restaurant, there's going to be different challenges, and we have our own and. Uh, we just move through it, and it, it's not—it's not that bad. Do you feel like you've learned to be better at barbecue over the course of your career? Because your—I mean, your barbecue is fantastic, and it's just like just looking at it. I mean, the smoke ring and the way that it just presents on a platter, and your ability to coordinate the sides, so that it just like. Your Instagram just makes me starving every time I look at it. It's just substantial, delicious, not fancy, but just simply executed, lovely food. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where our uh, success lies. We I don't try and do anything 
outside of, you know, I don't try to do anything crazy. We just take what I've learned. You know, I have a French cooking background um, and a new American background. I went to school at the French Culinary Institute of America. Um, and then I cooked more or less new American food and French type of foods from that point. Um, and then I started really getting to barbecue. So we have this, we have this background lean on that's, um, using fresher ingredients, using different techniques, using, you know, fundamental techniques. And then just my, my like kind of self-taught knowledge on how to smoke and cook meats. Right. And with some of all that knowledge incorporated into that, I think we, we just, we do things really simply, but really we executionally sound. And do you just sell till it's gone? Yeah, so that's how we kind of, that's how we started the business. You know, my my experience with barbecue, a lot of it was down in Texas. Um, I spent a lot of time down in Texas at those barbecue joints. I spent some time in North Carolina, Kansas City, some other places around the country too. Uh, but in Texas, kind of what happens is people will open up at eleven o'clock or noon, and then um, they just sell food until it's gone. And usually, you know, at a good barbecue joint. In Texas, people line up at 7 in the morning, and by 11 o'clock, there's a line that's, you know, I don't know, 300 people long. Right. And then they sell for the next three hours, four hours, whatever, and then they shut up shop. So we started with that kind of kind of mentality and maybe hoping to bring that to Minnesota a little bit more. Uh, and we did develop a little bit of that where we were getting like a line, you know, a line down able, and we would sell... I don't know, 30, 40 racks of ribs, and we'd go through on a pork shoulders and chicken. But then people started, we just started to see, like, people wanted, like, a little more diversity in the menu, I think. So mm-hmm. we started to larry on these tacos every day. Uh, we do, like, a hand-pressed taco shell, um, and we don't need to pull those meats straight out of the smoker. So, like, all our meats, when we sell ribs or we sell brisket or we sell pork shoulder, all those smoke, all those meats get smoked every single day. Um, and then, you know, we needed something that we could kind of hold a little better. Yep. So we, we started incorporating some barbecue bowls and we started incorporating tacos so that when we did sell out of ribs or we did sell out of brisket, we would still have some offerings for people, uh, that were just coming for like a nice barbecue. Meal. Yeah. Cause what a bummer when they get to the yep. front of the window and it's like, whoop, sorry. sorry. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not very Minnesotan at all. No. For someone to come for something and it be sold out and them to yeah. just understand that, oh, I better get in line earlier next time. People, people don't really dig that here. No, it's a whole culture shift. So, uh, we saw that we were, I mean, for lack of a better term, I think we were pissing some Making people, people off. Making people mad. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. People want to come and they want to eat something. And maybe, maybe, maybe a guy wants a half a rack of ribs and his girlfriend wants something a little lighter. It could be vice versa too. A girl yep. wants a half a rack and a guy wants just something lighter. So we started to incorporate that into our menu. Um, how, when you decided you were going to do this, like your finances interest me because you've always sort of been fluid about you had this catering business and then you were writing a book and so did you save up money to get the truck and was it something that you just put on credit cards and you were like, now's the time or how did you make that decision? No, there, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, I have some investors in the truck, so okay. that, that helps a ton. Um, obviously. I wish you'd but, have asked me next time, next time. <laughs> well, uh, there might be a soon next time. Um, <laughs> there, we have investors in the truck, uh, and you know, just very, very personally, which I don't mind saying, 
when I, I moved on to start the, you know, we, I moved on from a position where I was making a decent amount of money. Yep. Uh, we kind of had the truck planning in the background. Um, and then to get the truck open, there was basically a bunch of months of unemployment where I just wasn't employed at all. And, yep. uh, working, working to get the truck open, it was a super stressful time. <laughs> Not a fun time. Did it take longer than you thought? Oh, absolutely. That's M- like months. Okay, because if you're listening and you're going to start a business, I just was talking to someone else about this. It takes six months longer than you think. I, th- I think that's exact, Mark. Mine too. So, like, have a nest egg plan. You know, it's just going to take six months longer than you think. So yep. either be able to bootstrap it or have some family that's going to lend you some money or save it up because it's going to be six months longer than you think. Yeah, you definitely have to. I wish I would have had that mindset going in because I thought <laughs> I thought it was just going to be boom, boom, boom. Yep. And then those booms took three months longer each. Yeah. Um, but now looking back at it, now I know that going into the next one, and we can plan a little better. I mean, every time you do something like this, you just learn. Yep. Oh, oh. And there's learning to be had from other people too, right? Oh, yeah. So one of the things I like about you is you're super open, and I know that you collaborate with other chefs and you talk with other people. Has that been important in this journey? Oh, absolutely. I talked with... Uh, I would say countless people about this. Um, I can't even, I mean, Alex Roberts has been huge and Kim, Lisa Johnson. Uh, Will they tell you the things that you ask? Are they pretty free with the information? Oh yeah. I mean, unbelievably so. And they tell me, they just give me advice that I, I would never think of ahead of time. It just, just these little tidbits too. It's not like I go to someone and ask like, maybe I won't ask like a super direct question, but we'll just get into the, you know, talking about the restaurant business in general or what, talking about what it's like for them to open something yep. or maybe there will be a direct question, but they just kind of fill in these little bits and pieces of things that I wouldn't have thought of before. And they're completely open about it. Um, and it's been infinitely helpful. Can you think of one like piece of advice where you were like, wow, I never even thought about that? Billy, I would say Billy the sushi man. Uh, Billy, Billy. Yeah. He told us our legs would get cold in the winter on the food truck. And he's absolutely right. <laughs> he said it's going to be a nightmare for your legs. And the heat all comes from the flat tops up, but it leaves your bottom halves really cold. So you have to figure out a solution for that. So do you wear like those dicky insulated pants or what do you do? Well, I don't think we're to the point quite yet that we need to do much about it. But when the point does come, probably another five or 10 degrees down, which those days are going to come. Um, we'll probably just put in space heaters around the trailer um, where people are working. Yeah. So at least there's some heat source from that area. That's a weird one, but like I would have never thought of that. And once he told me it, it was. It, it makes total it sense. Clicked. But yeah, of course you wouldn't think about it. So for marketing, because you're a food truck and you have a successful brewery right outside your door, do you just like have to market? Is Instagram the marketing? Like how do you continue to build business and let people know you're there? So. Uh, we hired someone for branding. That's a whole, I mean, that's a whole separate thing, but I think that plays into how it works currently. Um, and from, you know, after that branding element was completed, we basically rely on word of mouth and social media. And yeah, I mean, those are the two. Mm -hmm. So we try and hammer, um, Instagram, uh, because people, you know, you put something on there for me, at least in my experience, you put something on there, uh, a picture that's honest and what people actually get when they come to your truck and then they come there, they get it. And then they talk to you about it and 
uh, it's just a good way to connect. People. Have you had a hard time getting new followers since the algorithms are constantly changing? I don't, I don't know anything about the algorithm. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just try and uh, we just our our whole theory on social media is that we just do we do our absolute best in the restaurant. We try and uh, take photos accurately and let people know what's going on in the trailer day to day. How often do you post? Um, when we're open, which is Thursday to Sunday. Usually once or twice a day. Okay. And then uh, we prep a ton on Wednesdays, and I try and get some, like, active what's new on the menu this week, how we're doing, what, we're, what things we're doing differently yep. on the on Instagram that way, too. Did you were, did you have any photo skills before, or did you get special lights? or? No, we just use, uh, we use a very basic camera. My dad was a photographer growing up. I feel like that I always had just a little bit of experience in it just yeah. from seeing a lot of photos um but other than that uh i've just been working with various cameras for a while now and i mean it's just something i've done since i was for the last 16 it kind of fits years. in with your whole vibe though you're a creative man like you have a lot of skills in a lot of areas well I, what are you <laughs> terrible at oh lots of things um man terrible at well uh 3D uh, or 2D art, I guess that's that's my one. Uh, I went when I first got out of high school. I actually went to college for. I went to art school, and um, I can't draw anything, <laughs> but I can. I'm really good with my hands. And I can do 3D art, and like, it just the way that 2D art it never made sense to me. That was okay. one thing. That I but just, you can do 3D art, like, or make something in. Yeah, clay, clay was my thing. So like, yeah. we could work with. I could work with clay very well. I think that actually kind of translated into Cooking. food a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I can totally see how that would. Yeah. Um, what are other restaurateurs that you admire in town? Oh, many. Uh, Thomas, obviously. Thomas Famer. I, I don't know how that guy does what he does. Uh, Alex, he's like the guiding light. Uh, Alex Roberts has really shined. Like we talk about uh, shining the light on and amplifying other people. Yeah. That guy does that in spades. Yeah. He is just such a good, kind-hearted, knowledgeable person in our in our local restaurant community that's helped so many folks. Yeah, he. I mean, he's just the. Ma- I mean, basically, he's the man. He. he We're just gonna call him the man he's from the now man. on. <laughs> uh, of course, you have Anne, um, and then I don't know. J- I've always looked up to JD. He's actually going to be doing something at the trailer on the sixteenth. This is JD Fratsky, yeah. who sort of stepped away from working with Maddie O'Reilly yeah. in his culinary pursuits and there's a I feel like there is a shift happening in the restaurant business and it's a shift that I don't know if it's happening nationally or just locally but I feel like we're trying to create a culture that has some work-life balance to it and that you can be a restaurateur or work in the restaurant business and not kill yourself and that that's okay yeah because it used to be a badge of honor to kill yourself and if you weren't killing yourself you know, you weren't doing it right. Yeah. Do you ever feel that pressure? Um, yeah, yes, but I think I feel that pressure because we're a new business. Yes, and um, that's not the mentality I want to put into my cooks, or you know, anyone I work with. And that's not the mentality I want to have long term. The short term, um, we're all expecting to get hammered, you know, for the next year. Yeah, and then hopefully things start to norm out a little bit, a little bit more. Do you have a hard time finding cooks or chefs, and do you anticipate that that's going to get better? 
Yeah, uh, I haven't had a horrible time with that. Um, so the way, I mean, the way that I like to do things, and I'm sure this is the way most people like to do things as well, is just operate through word of mouth. You meet people through people that you can trust going into this situation. Um, and so I think I have a, a little more, I'm a little more stringent on who we bring in. Uh, but that being said, it hasn't been a total nightmare. Um, we don't have that many employees. We have, I mean, we have three employees and then we have people who we bring on periodically for smaller jobs. Mm-hmm. When we get to the point, hopefully in the next couple of years where we're at 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, that's going to, obviously. It gets more challenging. It's going to be a challenge. And you interview people and they sound really good or or they have all the skills, but then they're emotionally not there or they've got other problems, you know, employees and employee management. Holy yeah. crap. It's, it's a tough one. I, w- I will say that, uh, you know, I'd like to be a little sympathetic to, to cooks in that regard because it's just, first of all, if you're a cook and let's say, I mean, we, we try and pay our cooks well. Yep. Regardless, uh, we are, we don't pay anyone under fifteen dollars an hour. Uh, but even you know, making fifteen dollars an hour in today's market—it's not market, like you're rich. It's not like you're rich, and <laughs> yeah. and you also have a very high pressure job, um, and you're, a lot is expected out of you. So I have a little bit. Of, I have a lot of sympathy for cooks who are putting it all out there. They're not making a huge salary, and the the grind is real for these people. I mean, yeah. forty, fifty, sixty hours a week. Um, things can get stressful. So uh, I think it's just important to try and treat your employees right, pay them as much as you physically can, and move on from there. How do you learn about, um, like, business things? Like, do you know how to read a P&L, and do you know how what your numbers are? Uh, yes and no. So um, I, would say, I would say in the past I've been better at this. Uh, the way – the way the business is operating right now is that we're two weeks, two weeks ago, we, we broke down a schedule of what our days look like Mm -hmm. pretty much by every 15 minutes to a half an hour. And we're in, you know, some days we're in at five in the morning and we're there till seven, eight, nine at night. Some days we're in at seven till 10 30, 11. And every 15 minutes is basically filled with another task just by the way we cook because we, what we, uh, what we don't do is we don't um, cook barbecue the day before and then just reheat it. Yeah. So we're all and we don't we also don't only cook one cycle of barbecue a day. We cook multiple cycles. So you're always loading new new meats in the smoker so everything's fresh when yeah. it's served. Um. So what's that? What what that's done to me or us is it's limited the other things we can do. Uh huh. So we can't like. I don't have an hour in the middle of the day now to sit down and look at numbers. I do have a little bit of help from my investors, which is coming great, and we just hired an accountant. Um, and so I think we're going to get better in that in the next couple of months. Um, and I need to get better on that too. Like I want to see that side of the business a little more. Uh, but, you know, on, just honestly, right now we're not doing the best. Well, and it, it. it sounds like, though, that you're thinking about it and you're moving towards it. And yeah. at this stage of your development of your business – I think you're actually moving it along faster than you think in comparison to other folks. Yeah, it's it's top of mind and it's something that like, you know, I work with my friend Matt Johnson. He's an investor. I think he's a great, you know, he's a great mind around town. He he really, his ability to really like dissect those numbers yep. and see how to improve them. Um, 
And I think we just need to get a little more established and get a little more of a routine, and then we can deep dive on that stuff. Because if you if you neglect that part of the business, that's where you're going to lose. Yeah. You know, that's where you're going to end up losing. When you're not working, and are you taking days off? Uh, currently, no, but that's only because of the cookbook getting okay. finished up. So once that's done, then I'll have more of a dedicated day off. And when you have your dedicated day off, what do you typically like to do? Well, right now it would have been uh, hunting season. And Did you miss the whole season? Yeah. That's... Day was going to be my last day, <laughs> which is why I asked you to move it. Uh, but I did miss the whole season, which is completely fine, to be honest. I probably would have given the deer away to someone who needed it anyways, because my whole life is surrounded by meat now. And the last thing I need in my freezer is more meat. Does it gross you out? Just like... Sometimes on Sunday nights, it's like, just give me some broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, Do you find yeah. you eat less meat since you're cooking it all the time? No, I think I eat more because we test, like, we'll, we'll put things in the smoker and then they come out and we test meats a couple times a day. So you end up eating a little bit more. Um, but it doesn't gross me out to the point. It doesn't gross me out, but my bo- I can tell my body's just aching for something. You know, I we're stationed at a brewery and all yeah. we do is cook loads of meat. So my diet is essentially a lot beer. of beer and a lot of meat, <laughs> which I'm not complaining. It's a pretty great life. Uh, I enjoy it. But, but it's hard to sustain so, long term. Yeah. Sometimes you need broccoli or cauliflower or whatever. And when you go home, like, does your girlfriend just like, oh my God, your clothes, you must yeah. smell. Like, oh, yeah. all your clothes must smell. They do. Uh, yeah, they just smell like smoke. I mean. And you can't even get it out at some point. No, I basically, so this, this is embarrassing to say live, but this sweater <laughs> and my other sweater, I just basically rotate on work days between two sweaters because they they're just smoky. Yeah. Yep. And that's just accepted now. So yep. you just have smoke sweaters and then hopefully the rest of the stuff stays like a little bit clean. Do you like get, uh, change your clothes in the garage or anything yet? Cause I uh, know someone that did that, that worked no. around a smoker. No, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, they had like a changing room that was like kind of in the garage and had a actual rack of clothing out there man. that they had their smoker clothes. That's, that's commitment to the bit. But uh, then they had to get from, <laughs> this is more than you need to know, but they had to get from their garage to the back door of the house, and there was like a little walkway. <laughs> and so they changed clothes, right? Yeah. But sometimes the washed clothes <laughs> from the inside of the house wouldn't get back out to the garage. So he was like, yeah, there's been a few occasions where I'm running naked from <laughs> the smoker clothes in the garage to the back of the house. Sounds about right. Trying to get in the door. Sounds about right. Like, well, as long as your neighbors don't care. He's like, well... <laughs> There's not a lot to see here, friends. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of funny. Yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that being a situation one day. Hopefully it's not, though. Um, what do you want, as we wrap up here, what do you want people to know about animales? Like, why should they come and have barbecue at your place? Um, you know, I think I think that I think that it's kind of a cool deal where we're, where we're small enough where we can do we can smoke meats a couple times a day and we get to serve everything fresh out of the smoker we don't uh, hold meat we don't we don't hold meats for extended times we don't put a lot of like sugar and stuff on there we don't actually put any sugar and stuff on there we that's just, kind of surprising isn't it yeah don't I, most barbecue places put like a lot do and i think that's part a part of the reason is because they you know they don't have this ability to do everything so fresh like we do it and the difference between a, a rack of ribs that comes out fresh a rack of ribs that is reheated the next day is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, 
And so we, we have this ability to do things really simply uh, and really well executed, and we do that every single day. And and in my opinion, it makes makes all the difference. You're not going to get this, like, this big rush of flavor that you might get at other places, but you get, you know, you get a, a, a well-raised protein that was smoked, uh, smoked well with, you know, Minnesota wood that was seasoned correctly. And it's, and in my opinion, it's just barbecue that you can come back to every day. Um, and then all of our sauces are just, you know, they aren't these like dumpy kind of thick sugar sauces that are, you know, they taste good once or twice, but you don't want to come back eat them yeah. every day. We kind of do these vinegar based, uh, way brighter, a little bit thinner, leaning towards that North Carolina style sauce, which I love. Um, and it's just this like craveable protein that you can come back for time and time again. And then, you know, and then when we move away from that, we try and do these like kind of creative bowls. We have this bowl program that we're working on. And then we have this taco program that we're working on with, again, fresh masa. And then we're we're incorporating just, we're always like expanding on ways to make everything better. And our motto is every week we get in there and we try and make everything 5% better. So how are we going to make the entire menu 5% better? That's um, a really, really interesting thought. Yeah. That I would like to leave people with because 5% in any business that you're in seems doable, right? Yeah. It seems like if you could just make something 5% better this week, what would that look like? Like you can get some thoughts around it. You can execute it. It's not going to create too much time, energy, or extra stress. I love that theory. Where'd you learn that? Uh, I, I mean, that's just something that I've tried to do my whole life. You just... Yeah, and now we have a chance to implement it. And like last week, we thought our tacos were good, and we thought they were great. And but how, you know, just moving into this week, how do we do it a little bit better? And that's that's exactly what we're doing. Um, I, I don't know if I learned it from anywhere. It's just kind of been a thing I've tried to do in life. Well, I learned it from you. So we're gonna Sweet. make this podcast <laughs> next year five percent better. There you go. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna do it. Because sometimes I just get on a tangent. I like to ask people questions about all kinds of stuff. What do you, uh, what do you do? You, we talked about what you do for fun. Like, do you have any, like, do you read cookbooks that inspire you? Or do you have podcasts that you listen to? Or what's your inspirational source? Uh, currently, I have to say there hasn't been much of that. Previously, before opening this business and other things, you know, I, I don't necessarily listen to food podcasts for yep. inspiration, but... And this is probably a bro thing, but um, I love listening to Joe Rogan podcast because he just has That's... the most interesting people on there. And he doesn't really try and lock them down into opinion. He just kind of lets them talk. And I always found that really interesting. Okay, so I've learned a couple of interesting things about Joe Rogan that I'm going to share with you. If you guys haven't listened to the podcast, it's called The Joe Rogan Experience. And this was the weird guy that was on, what was it, Survivor? Survivor and he like was the, the host. man show a long time ago. Yeah, I forgot about the man show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's just kind of this broy guy, but he's brilliant. And he's a mixed martial arts guy. Yep. And he's very interested in nutrition and health and yeah. pushing the envelope. He does this podcast that I'm not even kidding. Some of the episodes are three and a half hours long. Yeah. And it's a little daunting. And someone was just telling me, like, for podcasting, like, podcast should only be 20 minutes because that's the time of the length of a commute. And I looked at her. I said, well, then that doesn't really explain the Joe Rogan experience. And she goes, very few people can earn it like Joe Rogan can. And and she was right. But this is my 5% learning because I'm like, okay, yeah. So Joe Rogan, 
he can talk to someone for three and a half hours and it's interesting the whole time. Not always. Yeah. But sometimes it takes a while for that person to just get that level of trust with you yeah. to tell you some of the stuff that you want to know, right? <laughs> yeah. If you just come out and fire the same five questions at everybody, they're not always going to give you the same answer. So I don't know. So it's interesting you mentioned the Joe Rogan experience because I often wonder in my 5% learning for next year, am I earning this podcast? Am yeah. I earning the time someone's spending with me? I, yeah, I don't have an answer for that, but I think his his, <laughs> the, his theory was that I've listened to him talk about it and he says that, it's like, you know, I want to get a person in here and I want to just a lot of, a lot of times they'll like, smoke something or yeah, have a drink. Out he smokes or, pot and he's not yeah, ashamed, not ashamed of it. And they'll just sit around and talk. And like, you might get these little, like you said, you might get these little tidbits from someone that you would never get in a quick interview. And like, they just kind of come out naturally that way. I kind of like, I've been thinking about this just in terms of podcasting, you know, and I love this makers podcast, but I also love the idea of just talking to weird people, not even weird yeah. people, just people Yeah. just sitting down and having a cup of coffee with total random strangers. And I told someone, I was like, I want to have a podcast where I just go into a diner or a coffee shop or whatever. And I just get someone to sit down with me and have a conversation. And they were like, who would do that? I'm like, I don't know. People would. <laughs> Anyone. Yeah. People love to talk. And think how much you would learn just about people and life and stuff and I just really get jazzed hearing you talk about like learning 5% more about something like yeah. that's cool. It's something I can really think about. Yeah. I, so, yeah. all right, maybe I'll get that going in the next year. Sounds good. <laughs> <One> <laughs> maybe I'll thing. do it from the barbecue truck. Yeah. I'll sit outside on the picnic tables at Abel Brewing and as people grab their Anamale's barbecue, I'll sit there and talk with them about their lives. I think that's actually a pretty, pretty okay, good idea. Okay, so maybe we'll do that this summer, John. <laughs> it's uh, John Whipley, and if you want to reach out to him directly, you can do that through Minnesota Spoon on Instagram. Yep, that works, or Animalia's Barbecue on Instagram. It's probably the fastest way to get me. Emails, I'm not the best at. So. Thanks for being my guest. Yeah. <laughs>